You're listening to The Tool Belt, a manufacturing podcast focusing on logistics, safety, operations, and breaking industry news. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Tool Belt podcast brought to you by Endeavor Business Media's Manufacturing Group. I'm Tom Wilk, the Chief Editor of Plant Services, and today we're talking with Sean Phillips, a Senior Project Manager with Hargrove Controls and Automation. Now, Sean, in May, was awarded the prestigious 2023 Rising Star Award at the Control System Integrator Association Executive Conference in New Orleans. Recipients of this award are honored for leadership and innovation in equal measure. Sean is also an Auburn grad, so I'm excited to talk with him today about all three of these things and more. So, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Tom. Thank you. So, tell us some more about yourself and the career path that led you to this point to earn the CSIA Rising Star Award. I don't know if you want to start with Auburn or start even earlier than that. Well, yeah, we can start with Auburn. Yeah, I went to Auburn to be an electrical engineer, mm-hmm. and uh, my uh, my overall goal from for going there was to uh, to work for Alabama Power. Yeah, you know, I wanted to do uh, power transmission things like that. Well, uh, so Auburn does this really neat thing where they make you sign up for for five different co-ops. Because huh. I knew I wanted to do an internship or a co-op or something like that, right? And they make you sign up for five different interviews. They have the co-op interview day. Well, obviously, yeah, I picked uh, you know, Alabama Power, and then and then I had to fill the slots with four more, and, uh, and one of those slots was uh, was Hargrave Controls Automation. Uh-huh. And uh, interesting enough, uh, our current VP, uh, Karen Griffin, is one of the ones who interviewed me. Oh, that's um, cool. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, so we get throughout the interview, and and it seemed really interesting. I, I didn't know any of the uh, thousand acronyms that they were throwing around, uh, you know. <laughs> Because you know, everything in controls is an acronym, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I didn't really know anything about it. Uh, but it seemed really interesting and you know, high energy, and and they were quick with an offer, and uh, I started doing the co-op at Hargrove. Very cool. And uh, yeah, after one semester, I figured out this was a interesting field to be in. And mostly, uh, you know, at that point in time, I, I just had one semester of. Uh, of co-op experience, which is you know, really nothing, uh, but it was a it was a good uh, way of seeing kind of a you know first footsteps into the into the field. So uh, it, it seemed very interesting in the fact that it was different. You know, it was different every day from a cr- contracting point of view. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't seem like I was going to be doing mundane tasks and uh, and just <laughs> my personality that, that that's really what I was. Uh, going for you know look that's what i was looking for in a career something that i wasn't going to have to to do the same thing over and over again uh, every day you know uh death by cubicle type thing right <laughs> that's, oh, that's not I, what i was looking for i hear you there's a certain similarity to that in journalism believe it or not but even more importantly for our readers who are in the asset management space i, I hear that a lot where they they like this field because every day is a new day something's going to come up whether whether you got a proactive job to do planned out or whether it's something that's an emergency it's, it's never never boring Right. And in a certain extent, you know, uh, you get to make your own destiny. Uh, you mm. know? And, and, and for different folks, uh, they, they they do like a, a more 
a strict schedule and uh, and that's and offered there too you know so you you know, said you kind of get to choose your own destiny to a certain extent right, um, right. And anyway uh so yeah i realized uh, i like that so immediately went back to auburn the following semester and changed my major to computer engineering okay. uh, so i could get, get a little more of the uh, the programming side of things fast forward uh, a couple more semesters and then uh yeah, i did the full year co-op and then, and then went back and and did a bonus semester uh, in the summer, uh-huh. and then uh, once I graduated, started full time. Uh, from there, uh, started as uh, doing graphics, and then quickly went into configuration, and then did technical lead, and then project management, and now senior project management, and it kind of all snowballed, uh, you know, <laughs> honestly. And most of my career experiences uh, been around. Uh, Delta V, you know, Emerson Delta V, that's, that's what I started doing. Sure. And, uh, and I do feel like my, my experience has been very concentrated. I, I think that was a, uh, a good deciding factor and lead me to where I am. You know, I, I was able to focus in on, on one system. Yeah. And, and, and get a, a really good uh, skill set surrounding that. And in uh, that being said, even though it was one system, uh, you still have ancillary systems touching uh, that one system uh, mm-hmm. uh, over and over again. Uh, so you still get a, a good uh, variety of things just in that. Okay. Um, and Emerson Delta V is going to be a familiar name to our listeners too and our readers. Uh, it's it's uh, again on the SM management, SM monitoring side, uh, a lot of projects. Uh, often we'll start with that to collect the data and start moving it where it's got to go. Is are those kind of projects that you find yourself working on? Right. Yeah. So the the data collection side of things, uh, I think the projects we've done around that arena have mm-hmm. more been in. Um, let's see, the, the ones I've been working on are more in the uh, the steel industry. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, and, and that, those are more PLC based. Uh, Again, that, that's just my personal experience, uh, but but we, uh, that's what we've been working on uh, for, for a few projects we have. Okay. You know, we'll, we'll go in and, and a lot of times there'll be, uh, you know, um, older equipment and we'll put in uh, newer newer frameworks on top of that to, to gather the data out and then and host it wherever the end user might want it. Sure. In the press release that I read about your award, it mentioned that you had a lot of experience in the specialty chemical and the pulp and paper sectors. Uh, could you tell us about some of the projects you remember, uh, whether it was Emerson Delta V or something similar, working with those with that sector? Yeah, so like I was saying before, yeah, it's a, yeah. a lot of Delta V stuff, but you know, uh, just from the fact of uh, doing these migrations, uh, knowing uh, the previous system helps out a lot too mm-hmm. so uh yeah I, and that that has been a lot of my experience in, in both uh pulp and paper and specialty chemical as, as okay. migrations and uh specifically uh, tdc 3000 to uh the delta b migrations okay uh so it's especially chemical you know we, we also have a, a lot of uh a lot of batch uh, projects as well uh, the Delta V experience has been in, in a lot of, uh, you know, especially chemical and, and stressing into pharmaceutical and, mm-hmm. and and pharmaceutical as well. You know, they have a a, a lot of batch, you know, and, you know, and everything is very 
very very documented down to the down to the letter right so uh all that kind of ties back to uh going into the the migrations with tdc uh the way we'll normally go into those things is we'll we'll go in and do uh narratives other we'll narratives for individual point basis if that's what the client wants or we could even uh do a, a larger narrative you know, uh, something like a functional design specification and, and you said that said that a lot of your listeners are into you know, data gathering for, mm-hmm. for, for asset management right and uh, one of the ways that we would go about doing that usually is uh, is writing a what we would call a functional design specification okay. uh, we would go through uh, the process and uh, the define from a process standpoint what all is included in that and then extract that into a more table format. That's kind of the second step. And from there, we can go through and approve and with the client exactly what they want. Because a lot of times, more often than not, now I'm sure we've all seen it. Uh, there's a, a lot of uh, you know test one two three points uh, in in the system, or you know uh, Sean's test point, you know that that type of thing. Uh, so, you know, a lot of times we'll have to go through there and, and weed a bunch of that out and make sure that what's getting into the, uh, the data collection system at the end is actually what is needed. Because, you know, if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Excellent. Well, you're talking about, you know, uh, oper- operations controls, right? And I'm curious to know, is is there a link between what you were doing that you saw on these plant sites and helping plants get a handle on their unplanned downtime? Did you help them make their processes more reliable, uh, more repeatable, that sort of thing? Or what what kind of what kind of requests were you getting to to that that drove your projects? Yeah, so uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's at the end of the day, I, I can't think of a single client that wouldn't like less downtime. You know, right? Uh, but specifically, it was a one client of mine, but you know, smaller operation, uh, where you know originally that they had a uh, the best way to say this a uh, a discount uh, firm <laughs> come in and, and and program it from the start. Oh uh, man! And and so the entire system was pretty much uh, spaghetti code. That's what we would call it, right? <laughs> you, have, you have lines going everywhere, uh, connecting back to uh, who knows where. Okay, uh, and, and everything just takes a lot of troubleshooting. That really is what that boils down to. Mm-hmm. Everything uh, you, from the simplest of changes, you have to uh, troubleshoot uh, what it could potentially uh, cascade into. Well, and this particular plant had uh, they were a utility to a, a larger plant, so their downtime was tracked by the minute. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, right. And, you, and every time they went down, it was a, a large sum of money that they had to pay. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, because of that, uh, obviously, they want the most robust control options that, that they can get. Uh, but they're also you know, on the edge of uh, you know, being a, a small, you know, you know, being a small plant. They have to watch costs very closely, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Uh, one of the biggest things that we ended up doing for them was uh, removing uh, device net. And uh, if everyone's ever familiar with device net, if you're familiar with it, you don't like it. Um, yeah. you know, 
if you're not familiar with it, maybe you do like it because maybe maybe it's a little bit cheaper. Uh, but uh-huh. <laughs> if you are familiar with it, uh, you're not going to uh, want it in your plant anymore. And uh, again, that's what what these folks wanted. They they wanted us to, to rip that out and replace it with Ethernet IP, which okay, uh, yeah, which I would recommend to anybody who has uh, any sort of uh, you know, I guess bus bus protocol like that that's that could potentially have uh, noise in the system, which was their case. You know, they they had these uh, device signal cables or device net cables running right alongside the, the high power wires, so they were they were getting uh, a lot of interference, a lot of interference. Uh, so what we did to get around that was uh, you know, put out Ethernet IP you know, Cat6 cabling inside of the control room only and fiber out in the plant so uh, oh. obviously the uh, fiber wouldn't have that same interference right and and that alone saved them a lot of a lot of downtime uh, they had it was compressors is what it was you know, out in the field and every time those tripped uh, off those device net noises uh, you know, they would have to go down oh wow wow so, who knew that noise problem could cause that much problem uh yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, it was, uh, and you know, and, and going back to uh, data collection. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a, a lot of those, a, a lot of those PLCs out in the field that, uh, again, antiquated stuff mm-hmm. that that are talking uh, device net and, and other bus protocols over copper. Uh, that is something that you definitely have to keep in mind. And you know, even if it's not as drastic as the cases I just mentioned where the plant's tripping, you know, mm-hmm. you're still relying on this data for one thing or another, right? So you just got to keep that in mind whenever you're putting that up into a higher system. Again, garbage in, garbage out. That's interesting. Now you're talking to I, my a guy where my previous job was with Panduit, uh, working for their content marketing. So okay. I did a lot of work on, you know, fiber drops inside the plant floor and uh, shielded Cat 6 or 6A uh, back to the either the data center or the, the cloud gate. Um, when you talk to your clients, uh, is there still a lot of work to be done to educate them on that physical layer element of integration? Uh, or, or a lot of plants you think, especially maybe chem or farmer, pulp and paper, where you got a sort of a messier environment inside the plant, are they aware that this issue can crop up when it comes to the projects you work on? That's a very good point. Uh, it's, I'm gonna say it's, it's getting better now, but uh, a lot of uh, clients, you know, still think, you know, or still look at uh, Ethernet IP and you know, as uh, black magic, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, yeah. It, uh, but at the end of the day, it's it is the most robust communication protocol that uh, that I install. You know, um, mm-hmm. and and I think a lot of people would agree with me on that. Uh, but that being said, there's still a lot of those old bus protocols out in the, in the plant, and and a lot of people think, you know, if it's it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, mm. But uh, broke sometimes can be a uh, it's on the spectrum, <laughs> you know, just how broke is it, and and at what point uh, is that costing you more money than it would cost to install a more robust, uh, let's say, uh, device level rink. You mm-hmm. know, with Ethernet IP, uh, that's just speaking generally. That, that that's what I'm seeing. You know, uh, it's it's just a matter of uh, weighing the cost of the new install versus getting rid of the the old stuff. 
which which sounds like an obvious thing to come to, uh, but uh, intermingled with that is the education of uh, just how robust and, and the return that you would get you know, from installing these more robust networks. Okay. No, that's I, that's a really insightful point to the, uh, about Broke being on a spectrum. Um, you know, the, the the people you're who are listening to this today are um, you know, plants engineers, so they're not uh, beginners in this field. They 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 have a sense of what might be good on the network side, um, but sometimes it can take some yeah, take a little education on the plant side, especially with uh, not all plants have a handle on where in the spectrum they want to be. Yes, that's that's a that's also a very good point <laughs> because uh, uh, you know going back to to a lot of these uh, migrations. You know, we're installing a new system. No client ever wants to be on the the bleeding edge of technology. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I say no. Uh, I, I think we have had a couple, uh, but a, a better term is most. Most everybody doesn't want to be on the bleeding edge, and and it and I can't even see. I can't even say all don't want to be back in the eighties because <laughs> some some still do. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, again, yeah, their mindset: if it's not broke, let's not fix it. Yeah. And, and I, their their threshold for broke is <laughs> it's pretty low. You know. I I still do wonder how many XP machines machines are running XP in the background just because it's if it's on the broke spectrum, right? Yeah. yeah. Or XP or uh, NT, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let me move to a, a sort of a closing question looking forward to what you're working on now um i understand you're working with the gulf coast explorium science center and you now as a kid i was always fascinated by those kind of museums um in my hometown here in chicago we have the, we have the museum of science and industry um i took a trip out to the exploratorium out there in san francisco so tell us about the explorium science center and, and the work you're doing with that so this is kind of the controls engineer dream project okay right, so if you're not familiar with it, the the Explorium is uh, basically a place. You know, a lot of field trips come here from uh, elementary school, I mean, all up to middle school, and that type, mm-hmm. um, a range of age. Uh, but they go in there, and there's different interactive uh, little exhibits uh, where they can uh, learn different things about a wide variety of topics. You know, whether it's uh, mostly in the STEM field. Uh, okay. That, uh, you know, range from uh, from health uh, all the way to uh, science and, and that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this particular project, they have a, a one little area that is uh, around the health field. And it is to learn about uh, the human body and, and different uh, limitations and, and, and things like that uh, around uh, surgery and uh, general well-being checkups. I think that's the okay. best way to describe it. <laughs> Uh, but but it, again, it's it's all around the, the health field. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, the, these exhibits were donated uh, probably uh, fifteen years ago. Okay. And they're all using uh, old cheap PLCs, and and a lot of the the hardware around it has uh, been abused by you know uh, five and six year olds uh, <laughs> hitting it and uh, and you know, really just doing anything they can to break it, you know. So if you're a controls right. engineer, you're used to engineering against, uh, 
you know, uh, anything an operator can do to, to break a machine will, you know, think about anything uh, a five or six year old can do to, <laughs> to break a machine. You know, that's <laughs> that's not it's a bad threshold of evaluation for plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you yeah. have to. A little, right. uh, oh, no, anyway. It's uh, a tough crowd. The the kindergarten and, and elementary school crowd, they're, they're hard on things. They want to touch and explore, you know? That's right. Well, and and their their mom works in a completely different way uh-huh. than your than yours does, right? So it, it's really interesting to see how they come in there and and think of every possible way to uh, take the wind out of yourselves for uh, <laughs> you engineering around them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so there, there's such a, a variety of things that that we have going on in there. Um, one specific example is uh, which seems like such a, a, a an easy thing to to work around, uh, but but they have these uh, seven segment LEDs that are uh, probably about, uh, I'd say, three inches by two inches large. So uh, not small, but not gigantic either. Okay. Uh, it's actually very hard to find uh, drivers uh, from a PLC to those seven segment. Right. So without without having a bunch of uh, IO, let's say that. OK. Right. So that they don't want to add more I/O to the PLC, you know, because uh, that would make everything easy, right? If we just did yeah, single I/Os. Well, uh, what we're doing instead is we're making uh, custom uh, circuit boards uh, for those things. Oh, okay. Because because what we really wanted is to provide them with a way that they could easily change these out in, in the future. All right, we want to have this uh, very modular and uh, easy for the maintenance guys at the Explorium to, to do because right now what they have is a, a culmination of uh, years and years of uh, band-aids and, and fixes like like I'm sure you, you might have seen in, in a lot of older plants right sure um, uh, but but yeah so we have uh, right now um, making full circle back to the co-op program we have some uh, some co-ops working on designing of these uh, integrated circuit boards, as well as uh, the enclosures that we're going to 3D print to uh, to put the uh, circuit boards inside and, and mount the uh, seven segment LEDs to, and which is a uh, to me a, a perfect uh, co-op project. I'm really excited to to get them uh, working on this, and, yeah. and also it's a, it's a very good introduction to controls. You know, I mean, you have this problem. No one's telling you exactly how you're going to fix it. They just want it fixed. Right. And, and that's that's the you know, when I say it's the dream controls project. That's it. Right. You, you have a design freedom to do what you need. That is fascinating. It really it is a mix of design, physical hardware printing, like you said, 3D printing the circuit board and uh, in project management, problem, project problem solving. How cool. Are, are, are your co-ops uh, excited about this? They're all in. Oh, yes. They, no, they're all in on it for sure. As what I have been. Uh, I would have had a project like this when I was going up. Cool. Well, I got a couple of nine-year-olds and a 12-year-old who take advantage of every library, local library program for 3D printing they can. And uh, when I tell them they can actually start printing circuit boards, it's going to blow their mind. <laughs> yeah, the the circuit board uh, portion of it, we have uh, laser etching to do that. Ah, nice. Well, Sean, we've come to about the end of our time. I want to thank you for your time talking to us today. And, uh, and, and again, this Sean has recently won the CSIA Rising Star Award. And uh, a lot of what he does is touches on all aspects of plant operations. So, Sean, thanks for being here today, man. Yeah, no, thank you, Tom. Good pleasure.